Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 294. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Jen Taylor. Jen is a book coach, and listeners, you know I've been on a journey with writing my book, so I can't wait to to dive in, learn more about your journey, Jen, and just go wherever the conversation takes us. So I'm welcome. super excited. Thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. Listeners, you know positive productivity is not always about perfection. So I just want to give a heads up. I know it's going to be fine on Jen's side, but we have our kid challenges today, which as a as mompreneur, sometimes it just happens. So if the phone happens to ring on my side, please forgive me, but I'm just going to point it out there because life has to go on. Jen, would you mind sharing about your journey, how you got to be a, how you became a book coach and what your entrepreneurial journey has looked like? Absolutely. It, you know, it's changed. I think, I, I mean, I have a couple of things that I think are secrets and they're not secret. It's, it's not like they're classified and no one can know. Actually, everybody should know. But things that really, really worked for me, kind of my toolbox of what helped me be successful in different areas. And I was one of those people that said, I want to write a book. And if I had a conversation with someone about my life growing up or um, I did foster care for 12 years and was involved for 20 years. And we have a total of 18 kids, which is a totally different conversation. But, you know, it's an interesting story because I grew up on the street very similarly or well, exactly the same as any of the foster kids that came into my home. So um, I wanted to write this book and get the story out thinking if it just helped one person, wouldn't that be great? And it's easy to say I want to write a book. And I have had a blog for six and a half years kind of just about our life and I'm a runner. So about running and gear reviews and races that I've done and stuff like that. And then I've written for several publications, like shorter blog type pieces, articles. And so writing has been kind of a passion since I had this crotchety old woman, never married, never had kids, still lived with her dad and cats teacher in high school. She was probably 70 when I had her in high school and my 30, 30th class reunions coming up this summer. So um, she was just crotchety, this woman, and I loved her. And she was my writing teacher. And I realized how cathartic it was and how, um, how much of a blessing it just was to be able to write things down and get them on paper from journaling which I do, but I don't do it traditionally to the blog that I started to writing for other companies. And I didn't go into journalism in college because back then you have to remember, we didn't have internet. So everything was, you, you type out your manuscript and you send it to publishing houses. It was very, very different. And if I had known then what I knew now, I would have absolutely followed journalism, but um, it just didn't look then like it looks now. So I was just that person that said, I want to write a book. And I lost my job. Um, geez, it's been almost two years uh, ago. And Dane, who is my partner in life and crime and kids and everything, he looked at me and he said, well, why don't you write? Why don't you take some time off? Financially, we can do it. 
and write the book you've always talked about. And I thought, oh, crap. <laughs> now I have to decide, am I the person that says I want to write a book because it sounds like such a great idea, or am I actually the person that gets off my butt and does it? And I was faced with this uh, actually a dilemma, you know, like, do I really want to write a book? And I realized that I really wanted to write this book, and I felt like I was given this tremendous gift, and it was a gift of time, which is the commodity you can never get back. You know, the thing we always run out of and never have enough of, and people complain about being too busy. And so, uh, as a side note, I hate the word busy. Uh, I'm I was very, just very... about to ask about that. People <laughs> okay, get okay, so I... busy being busy. I. You know, I think it makes us feel important and I'm not putting anyone down because I've been in this category also, but I think it makes us feel important to be busy. And to me, that word um, elicits a lot of stressful emotions. Um, I don't want to be busy. I don't want to feel like, oh my gosh, there's just too much to get done and I just can't handle it. I, I don't like that feeling or that emotion the con that it conjures. I am very deliberate with my time. So if I had said... Kim, I'm sorry, I can't do the podcast. It's not because I don't want to, or it's that right now I'm being, I'm being deliberate with my time and it doesn't fit in right now, period. And I have no issue saying no. And I think a lot of us feel so much guilt if we say no to anything. And I mean, I've raised 18 kids. We, we have, we're down to four at home. And so nobody's going to tell me that you're too busy to do something because I can guarantee I can throw that in your face and there's no reason to stop being busy and be deliberate. And so I was giving this, given this gift of time where I had this tremendously supportive man and family and situation where I had the time to write the book. So I set myself a schedule because I didn't want to take for granted that gift and I didn't want to, I wanted to utilize it to the best of my ability. So all the teenagers leave for school at seven and our youngest one leaves for school at nine. And the first one came home at two 30. And so from nine to two 30, that was my job. And having a job is also not a negative thing. I've had jobs. I've absolutely loved tremendously. I think are fun. Uh, part of it is a paycheck. Part of it is health insurance. You know, there's lots of reasons that we have the J O B, but I've really enjoyed it. So I never wanted to feel like I hate Monday and I can't wait for Friday ever in my life. I wanted to just enjoy it. And the weekend was different than the weekday. Uh, I like it when my kids leave for school and I'm alone in my house and I don't feel bad about letting everybody know that. Um, so they would, I, I would get the youngest on the bus at nine and from nine to two thirty, I wrote, now, we have writer's block and we have days that are off or we get sick or whatever. So I allowed that to happen and I don't feel any guilt about that. Um, the days that things were not flowing or different, I would write a blog post. I mean, I would just kind of do different things. But it was all sort of geared towards getting this book written. I, I wrote the book in two months. It was completed two months. in two months. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, nine to two thirty. It was my job five days I know, a week. But you're inspired. Yep, two months. Oh my gosh. The average. So there's some numbers I want to throw out there, not to discourage. It actually encouraged me, but they are the. They, this is the. This is what it is. Eighty-five percent of people who say they want to write the book, a book, never write a book. Um, I decided I wanted to be fifteen percent. 
books are not something that is money making. I make if you go on Amazon and buy my book for fourteen ninety nine right now, I make about two dollars and twenty one cents off that book. So we're probably the the and ninety percent. If you walk into Barnes and Noble, ninety percent of those books in Barnes and Noble will sell a thousand copies or less in their lifetime. Now that wasn't discouraging to me. That made me feel like cool. I got it. I want to be one of the fifteen percent. I may not ever even hit a thousand books sold. I'm not going to make almost any money on it, but that's not why I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. I it was more altruistic than that. If I thought if I write a self-help memoir about my life growing up and I share all the nooks and crannies of how horrible things are, and I give people hope, anybody, one person, hope or inspiration, I I'm giving my story a voice and wings, and it's helped. It was. Incredibly empowering and helpful for me, so it was part of my personal journey in my self development and growth. And my goal was to make a difference to that one, which was my same goal in foster care, taking kids. You just want to try to make a difference to one. That was the same goal that I had with positive productivity. Yeah. And when I got that first email, I had tears in my eyes. I'm not much of a crier, no. but I it gave me tears. And then I was like, okay, I got one. Let's get two. And the same thing happened. The same thing has happened with each additional consecutive. I'm not positive productivity does not mean I have the right words at any given time, <laughs> which is why my book is still stuck in my head. But, uh, or maybe part of the reason because I don't have the, you know, I'm not dedicating that time. But anyway, that, that was the same reason. And I agree that I don't do what I'm doing to make money with the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I love that you're saying the same with your book. Yeah. And I mean, I have my own podcast. I have my own blog and I have the book. And then I have the website where I coach people to write books. And again, none of it is making me enough money where I don't still need to have a part-time job. It's, it's not. And people have, you know, we have our Facebook personality, <laughs> however you want to call it, what we portray to the world. Everything that I have portrayed to the world is 150% genuine, but it's not, it's not the full story. These are not, these are not, they can be all money-making ventures. And part of that is I would love to not have to work a part-time job to supplement income. That is a goal. But if you have that expectation that you're going to be the next J.K. Rowling's, maybe you will. I'm not discouraging that possibility. I'm just letting you know that that's probably the wrong way to be geared to do it. Right. Can I ask a question? Yes, you can ask me anything. Um, I have friends who have a lot of kids. Yeah. And they've, they've had, and I think they are up to 11. Okay. 10 or 11. Okay, which is still... There's still a lot of kids. Three. To get to you have twins. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I, I, I have more than my hands full on, right. you know, on any given evening. I don't know how you do it. It's just different. But I, I, <laughs> you just do it. Like, yeah, you just do it. Um, my biggest, my biggest goal every night is just not to burn dinner on the nights when I'm cooking. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a win in my house is not burning dinner. <laughs> However, the, my friends have been asked on n numerous occasions, 
you know, have they considered their own TV show or a YouTube station where they're in there and behind the scenes? And I know from some other friends who have had foster children that they had to be really careful with um, taking pictures of their foster children and video and sharing and any of that. But how do you feel about people who are are doing like the YouTube stations? Because I feel like some of them, sorry, I'm answering in my own opinion, before I give you a chance to respond, I feel like some of them are still only showing us what they want us to see. And we're still not getting like a, a true idea of what's going on in the real life of the such and such family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was asked once if I would do a reality TV show, not by a director or producer, but someone who said you should do a show. And I, I said, no, I, I actually have a YouTube channel and, um, I had one and I have a lot of videos I have to kind of transfer over to the, I just changed my email and, and stuff. And I need to pick and choose what videos from that original channel I did. And I actually have one. I have a son who's autistic and I was pretty raw about it. So I think there's a difference in personalities. I am, I swear like a trucker in my real life. Uh, I have it on your show because I forgot to ask. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I've i gone through probably almost every scenario with kids that you can, teenage pregnancy and drugs are running away and suicide attempts. And, I mean, if, if you name it, I most likely have had the experience. Um, and here's what I think. I don't have foster kids anymore. I'm not doing foster care. I haven't for um, almost about eight years. Um, but so all my kids are, I call them permanent residents, which is not politically correct, but I don't care because they're papered, you know. Um, I have five that aged out or with, were in foster care with me that I didn't adopt but didn't reunify. So five of the 18, but they're they're all almost pretty much they're adults. So the pictures aren't an issue, but yes, for foster care, you, that is true. You can't take pictures. So that's one issue that I wouldn't have to deal with. The other issue is I think I'm a pretty good person and I really have tried to give 150%. Some days 150% looks like 200% and sometimes it looks like a fraction and it doesn't mean we're not giving 150%. It just means some days we have less to give for whatever reason from illness to being stressed to not sleeping well to having issues people don't know about. And no matter how good of a person I've tried to be, I am divorced. So something in that went wrong and I was 50% of that problem. And there are going to be skeletons in everyone's closet. And I feel like in TV, in life, we want to see the train wreck. That's why everybody rubbernecks at an accident. We want to see the devastation and the disaster and the horror and then we want to hope everyone's okay and that it works out and that we have some success story. Now, I don't want that to be my life. I, I'm sure, even though I can't off the top of my head and never have been able to think of any major skeletons in my closet or, or anything, I'm sure they're there. And that's not the life that I want to live, feeling like I'm a, on a tabloid. And then there's the other part of it where it's really hard, but it's really monotonously day-to-day. And that's not very exciting. So if you want to make it exciting, you have to make it either super awesome and kind of fake or you have to be a train wreck. And I don't want to be either of those. I think, you know, if you came to my house when we had 14 kids at Christmas, you'd say it's not as loud as I thought it was going to be because it's not as loud as you think it's going to be. And that everyone seems to get along pretty well. And for the most part, everyone gets along pretty well. And my issues are the same as somebody with two kids. I just have a higher, I have more backpacks than you do, but 
really, it's just a day-to-day monotony of life. It's not super exciting with a lot of really exciting stories thrown in the mix. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I love how you said there's the days that we're putting in 200% and or it, it looks like 200% and there's days when it looks like a half a percent. Some of those days when it looks like we're putting in half a percent where the dishes are still dirty and the house is a wreck. Those days we might actually be putting 200% of our energy into making sure that we're still staying sane. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, I, I mean, I've always tried to put the same amount of effort in, but that effort looks different on different days. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think we don't cut ourselves enough slack, um, especially women who are moms who are, you know, trying to do their own business and writing that book. And um, I'm going to go back a little bit. You can, you can reel me in any direction you want. But as far as the book goes, I, I knew I couldn't stay out of work for very long. And I ended up staying out of work for about four and a half months. And the book was written in two, but there was another two months before it got released of all the stuff that you have to do to get a book published. And I self-published that you don't realize that you had to do. And that's part of what my, um, I have a meetup group here locally in Reno. I want to help people like give you all the information, not to be overwhelming, but so you're like, oh, that's the next step. Where for me, I was like, holy crap, why is, I mean, seriously, there's another step. You know, if I, sometimes if I had known going into it, what I didn't know, maybe I wouldn't have done it and it would have been discouraging. But also at the same time, if I had had a checklist where I knew this was going to come up next and this was going to come up next and I could figure out how to tackle it, it would have been a little less overwhelming in my own process. So that's what I try to do. If you want to write a book, Kim, I want to give you that checklist and the information and be able to talk you through it. And as far as me coaching, I'll do that as little, which is we just have conversations every once in a while because I'm like, I try to be a nice person and just talk to you about your process. And I point you in the right direction and you do all the legwork to ghostwriting your book, which is you're doing almost nothing but interviews and I'm doing all of the work. And so, I mean, anywhere in between there, but I want people to feel like they can be part of that 15% that write a book. And we don't always have nine to two thirty five days a week for a couple months and stay on track. So uh, if you're working a full-time job, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. You may have to have a, some early mornings. Your your deliberate time may be 5 to 7 a.m. Or, or 4 to 6 a.m. Um, I'm a runner. I'm up at 4.30 a couple days a week, three days a week, to go running with a, a group of women that I run with. And we run at 5 in the morning. And I didn't run. Yeah. Uh, well, today we had, a, we, had, we had a weather warning today. And on Tuesday, it was below 10 degrees and windy. I mean, I'm out there in almost every weather because it's a priority. And most people who, especially if you're not a runner, will think that that's totally crazy and I'm out of my mind. But running's important to me and I have a group I can go with. And that's the time that they meet and it does not interfere with my family. So that's when I go. So writing a book or anything else that we really, really want to do, sometimes it has to be we lose some sleep and we're doing it from 9 to 11 at night when our kids go to sleep. You brought up a really interesting point there. And I know I could be stepping on eggshells with some people who are listening, but we will find time for what's most important to us. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll find money too. I'm not working again right now. I I've been doing part-time temp jobs, which has been really fun. And I'm in between right now, which is great because we're in the process of moving. But, um, I, so I don't have income coming in right this second, like I usually do. 
And um, I heard about this new coffee, and I'm kind of, a, I think you should pick a couple things that are important to you. This is a self-care tip. I know we're all over the place, but you should pick a couple things that are really important to you. One of mine is lotion. I just love hydration. <laughs> so you, you pick those couple things, and you spend a little bit more money on it because it's important enough to you and maybe you cut back on other stuff that's not as important to you and coffee is one of my things I don't drink a lot of it but I want it to be really good and I heard about a coffee and I got a discount code and it was $35 and I did it and why I'm not working right now I shouldn't spend maybe $35 on something that I don't need to have except that it was a priority for me. We're moving and I'm imagining that's the first package that we're going to get at the new house location. And I'm going to be trying this new coffee that I've heard a lot of great things about. And I had a really great discount code on it. So I justified spending $35 with all of these reasons because it's one of my self-care tips at a time I'm not working. So it is human nature, whether it's time or money or whatever, that we will prioritize the things that we want. If I want to binge on Netflix because I'm moving into a show, I'm going to carve out the time to binge on Netflix. I'm going to, I'm going to lose sleep. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to whatever. I'm going to do it because I want to. And so I think it's a matter. That's why I say I'm not busy. I'm very deliberate. So what is your priority? What are they? Because some may have to take the back burner so others can shine for a little while. And if writing a book is really a priority, then you have to look at your schedule and start saying no, not because you don't like Kim Sutton's podcast, you know, because you have to be deliberate with your time and you have to put that thing that's first first. I love that. And I have to share just last night, as of the date of this recording, I found an app. No, they are not an, uh, they're not a sponsor or anything like that. But I found an app and it's called Focuster, F-O-C-U-S-T-E-R. Listeners, it will be in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at thekimsutton.com forward slash 294. And it has already kicked my butt today and last night because it's synced with my Google Calendar and I'm putting in the tasks that are <laughs> most important for me right now. And it's actually... Um, and I, and I tell Focuster how long each task should take, you know, if I'm focused on it and it's dropping it on my calendar. And I have been staying so focused today to get those tasks done because I don't want to tell it mm -hmm. that I didn't get it done. So it moves it to a different point on my calendar. Like I want to feel it like, yay. But I even, it made, it made me think about the fact that I did need to schedule in time in this app. That I'll be spending with my littles, you know, tonight between five and eight, between when I pick them up from daycare and when I put them to bed, that is their time, you know, or else it's going to put right. all these work tasks right on top of that. And for such a long time, because I'm in my sixth year of business now, for such a long time, I was doing that to myself. I was putting my work tasks, my business tasks right on top of that time. And it wasn't fair to me. It wasn't fair to my kids. And complete deviation from that. But I do agree. We have to have those things that are important to us. There are those days, even if I shouldn't be eating sugar, there are those days that I know I need, and need might be a strong word, but I'm going to use it again, need, you know, the sour watermelons from the grocery, because that's just what my body is saying. Eat it now and you're going to, you know, it's just going to feel good. <laughs> And I mean, I have a super healthy diet and I run three or four times a week and I'm 47 and I'm still a size four. 
and I was pregnant seven oh, times. No. I mean, it's certainly possible for anyone. If yeah. I, if I could do it, anybody can do it, you know. Um, but we, I, I, there are moments when it's okay. We need to have balance in our lives. And that's the same thing with everything you're saying. It's all about balance and it's about self-care. And sometimes the gummy watermelon things are about our self-care. Sorry, but I mean, I'm like a, I'm not, I, I don't think sugar is healthy for you and we don't have very much of it in our house, but when it happens, it's, I don't have to apologize for it at all. And we shouldn't have to do that. We have to, we should be deliberate and we should have balance in our lives and we definitely should have self-care. And I think we kind of let go of some of that and instead we have guilt and we run ourselves ragged. And that seems, that seems silly to me because I had, I started down that path and I was like, nope, I I'm, this is not the person that I want to be. This isn't the example I want to be to my kids. This isn't how I want to live my life. And so part of that for us, we're minimalist. And so not having as much stuff makes life a lot less stressful. So we live that part and we spend a lot of time outdoors, which I think is a big endorphin thing. So you, you have to figure out what works for you. You know, not everybody wants to be running at 5 a.m. and a minimalist. And that's cool. It doesn't That doesn't have to be what works for you. But I think it's important to figure out what does work to eliminate as much stress as you can because a lot of it we have control over but we're relinquishing that control and then we're not writing that book or starting that business or whatever we really we're spending time with our kids at dinner which is huge for us too you have me so intrigued right now <laughs> by the word minimalist because oh. my house drives me crazy so much by all the just stuff, stuff. <laughs> yes. Like when the kids and my husband are not home, there will be days that I will take a garbage bag. Yep. And if it's on the floor, it goes into the trash. And the funny thing is, is that nobody asks where it is when they don't find it. If it was on the floor, then obviously somebody hadn't taken care of it in the first place. Right. But so, so again, be more deliberate with it. I start in the room that's the easiest. Mine was the living room and the other things that were easier were closets um, so I started with closets and I started with our living room and I looked around at anything, anything that if we used it or it brought us joy. So some of the stuff that my kids have made over the years brings me joy. And some of it quite honestly didn't just because your kid makes it doesn't mean that you love it or that you want it or that it needs to be on your fireplace mantle. So I, I was very deliberate about, you know, what artwork, what knickknacks, do we love that bring us joy because they don't have a function? They just kind of sit there, but they should, their function should be to bring you some sort of joy. And we have some paintings that just, I truly just love having them hanging in the room. They act, they bring, they make me feel happy. And so there's that side of it. And then there are things that you use all the time and everything else can go. And everything else is probably almost 80% of what's in most people's houses. It was for us. We, we would dread coming home. Because I knew the tornado that was waiting and everything was clutter and everything was, well, we just need more Rubbermaid containers to organize stuff. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, if I showed you a picture and I can send you one, a picture of our eight-year-old's like shelves that have toys on it, you'd be like, that's it? Yeah. Think about your kids. They, You wear what's in your closet, probably 10% of it. They're playing with probably 10% of it. In your living room, you use the couch, the TV that, you know, you, there's stuff that you use. And then the rest of it, you don't. And it all got boxed up and donated. 
period. And so I started kind of small in the, but then I'd walk into the living room where I'd actually deliberately go and open that closet and be like, Oh my gosh, that feels so good that I got rid of all this crap that we never used, didn't want, didn't fit, uh, didn't serve a purpose, didn't bring me joy. It's gone. And everything, what remains either has a purpose or brings me joy, period, end of story. And I'm telling you, my closet, 90% of my closet did not bring me joy. I can't even get into my closet right now. Right. See, and you probably wear the same stuff over and over again because it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and in full disclosure, it's not a matter of a mess that keeps me out of my closet. My husband moved his office out of the office and into the bedroom because it was too loud and too distracting. And he was, he was making noise all through podcasts for me. <laughs> <laughs> so he just he chose to move into the bedroom. So there's an internet cord that stretches across the closet door. But since oh. then, I've realized the clothes that are, it's been almost a year now. The clothes that are in the closet hanging, I have not touched in a year. So you're right. I can pick those yep. up, put them in a bag and donate them to the Goodwill that's right down the street. And right. I'm looking around my office right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a huge thing, especially with a lot of kids, I mean, Three, four years ago, we had 12 kids at home. Uh, three years ago, we had 10 kids at home. So clearly I need, there's probably 24 pairs of shoes with 12 kids because they each at least have two. And there's one backpack. So there's 12 backpacks. So I was doing, I was like family Costco styled. It was a volume business just because we had a higher number of people living in our house. But they don't need to have four backpacks each. They only need to have one. You know, so um, we very deliberately four years ago, and I know I use that word a lot. I, I use it a lot deliberately <laughs> because it's a different mindset than being busy or being stressed or I have to do this or whatever. I, I'm not a PTA mom and I don't I love doing field trips with the kids school, but I hate PTA and I don't like bringing crap to parties and I'm not that mom and trying to force mice around peg into a square hole type thing just made me miserable. So guess what? I don't do PTA or bring cookies to the school because there's a hundred thousand moms who will stress themselves out to do it. I do not need to compete with that. I will go on every single field trip I can possibly go on though, because I think that's a blast and I will be very big part of the reading program. Cause I think that's the biggest part of kids education is learning how to read and read well and loving it and being voracious. So I think it's really important no matter what the subject is, whether it's your closet in your bedroom. And my rule with my closet was I had to try every single thing on because you are going to find treasures in that closet that you just didn't remember you had because you were so overwhelmed by all the crap. So I had to try everything on and decide, you know, does, do I like it? Does it fit me? Does it make me happy when I put it on? Do I feel good in it? And, um, 90% of it went and 90% of it can. And when you think about, oh, I spent all this money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but for me, donation means that I'm giving it a life somewhere else with someone who can maybe appreciate it instead of collecting dust in my home. So start if you're minimizing because you want to de-stress your life and declutter, start in smaller rooms. And with kids' toys, people really panic about kids' toys. I didn't so much, but my recommendation would be the buckets that you're – there will be this – stack that you'll get rid of and you won't even blink and there'll be a stack that you'll keep because you know that those are the core toys your kids play with and then there's this middle ground put them in the garage or stack them in a closet and if your kids have not asked for them in three months let them go and if they have then you know it's more important and you can kind of rotate through 
put them in one of those Rubbermaid boxes that you bought to collect yep. all the extra crap yes. <laughs> in the garage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and set them there, and you will know. And I'm telling you, I mean, you will not miss anything, and you will love how de-stressed your life is and decluttered it is. I mean, your brain. If you clicked on every email you don't want and scrolled to the bottom, bottom and clicked unsubscribe, within a couple of weeks, you would realize that your email used to stress you out, and it doesn't anymore. Oh my gosh, I just did that, Jen. I zeroed out my inbox about two weeks ago. And every morning yeah. I'll have maybe 25, which isn't as bad as it could be, but I'll have 25 emails. And I have unsubscribed from so many and it feels so good. I didn't realize how stressed so I was getting by my inbox. Right, right. And that's a minimalism technique. That's all that is. That's just you minimizing in a digital way instead of in a physical way. So um, on my Facebook feed, I have a large, I, I hate the word following, but you know what I mean? I've, there's a lot of people and I can't, I'm not personally involved with all these people. So anytime somebody posts something that I, and I'm not saying their political view is different than mine. I actually like that. <laughs> I'm saying the people that just do negativity or if you read this and don't hit like a reply, I'll know that you're not my friend. Really? Get therapy. Yeah, Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's an instant unfollow. Unfollow, instant unfollow. I do not need any negativity in my life. There's enough stuff that I can't control that happens. I am going to take control of anything that I can. So that that would be my um, suggestion there. And that's part of how I got to write the book in two months. I didn't have the clutter of physical belongings or digital overload in my life because that was gone. So I didn't have those stresses. So my kids would leave from work and I mean for school and I would work on the book. So I want to make sure before that I don't forget if for people who are writing a book, the single biggest thing that I did that helped me write this book. And again, the average time my editor told me was nine months. That's what somebody being pretty consistent and dedicated. So I did it in two months. Don't let that be a gauge. There's no barometer there. There's, it's not a bragging, right? It's just, it is what it is. It's just, that's how long it took me because I felt like the man that I love more than anything in this world gave me this gift of time and I wanted to capitalize on it. And so I definitely did. Um, but the single biggest thing I did to make me successful was to hire an editor that, that clicked with me. And I have the most amazing editor. Um, if you're writing a story, anything about your life, that's, she doesn't do um, uh, fiction. If it's not real, if it's not a real story about your real life, she won't. She's not the girl for you. But if you're writing anything that's about you and who you are and your story or skills or whatever, she, she is phenomenal. It's the best money you'll ever spend because that we all – we do it backwards. We have to think of the title, write the book. Don't think about the title. Don't even care about the title. The title will come to you. And as a matter of fact, it'll probably change a couple times during the course of writing your book. So stop putting that first. Like I can't write my book until I have a title. Bullcrap. Um, the other thing is we try to write the whole book and then send it to an editor. Don't do that. Have an editor on board from the beginning and do it in smaller chunks. My book, I broke down into three um, sections. It was chronological. I didn't write it chronologically. I bounced around chronologically, but it was 
um, we can usually look at our life like, um, you know, the college years or elementary school. We, we break it down into blocks of time kind of naturally or by subject. My son, who is autistic, for example, would be a subject matter that maybe I would write on specifically in another book. And so when you break those, when you break your book down into those chunks, you need to do an outline. Like I'm talking old school, number one, letter A outline of, um, and you, I printed the outlines and I used the outlines constantly. And I thought, I mean, she told me to do, my editor said, you need to do an outline. And I was not a fan. <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to dig my feet in and, uh, not do that. I thought it was a dumb idea, quite honestly. Uh, it was the best thing that I ever did. The only thing that I have saved from writing my book in a folder, because I'm, I'm almost totally digital, um, but I kept those outlines because hmm, you pour in so much of yourself into writing this book uh, that those outlines became like the guy. I don't even know how to explain it, but I just every time I see him, I smile and I I feel good about how much work I put into it. And um, so you will actually do an outline for every single section. And you you use that outline. And I had three outlines. I did the outlines in three sections first. And I printed them because I'm still old school sticky note person. And I would be writing something and I'd remember something from a different chunk, a different time period. So I could write notes on that time period's outline. So I wouldn't forget because I tend if, if I need more than three things at the store, I have to have a list. It's not I'm not going to come home with three things. Me too. So your outlines were not I mean, they weren't Moses's Ten Commandments. They were fluid, and they they changed, and they got updated because you were adding notes. Oh, constantly, constantly, because you'll remember something, yeah. you know. Yeah. And when people have read the book, the feedback is that must have been so hard to write about the tough stuff. Actually, I came to terms with the tough stuff a lot of years ago, or I would be a blithering idiot in a mental institution. I mean, there's not really a question about that. That it, it was tough stuff. I, it wasn't. I had to really tap in emotionally to the tough stuff because I had kind of. I don't believe in closure. Stuff is always there, really, but um, I, it's not stuff I think about or that affects me on a day to day basis. I kind of gotten through the tough stuff. So what was harder about writing the tough stuff was really going back and tapping into the emotion that I felt at the time that it was occurring because I don't feel those emotions anymore. What was the most, I don't know if the word challenging, it was a, it was the biggest blessing, but it was the most emotionally draining was if, if it was someone negative in my life, I changed their name. If it was somebody positive in my life, I contacted them and said, you are a positive influence in my life. I'm writing a book and I'd like to use your real name and I will send you the section like I'll Kim, when I'm writing about you and I'm kind of done, I'll send it to you and I want you to edit it. You may have a different, not, it was my perspective, right? So you may have a different perspective and I want to hear that because I can get a bigger picture of, of our time together from you editing that and telling me your perspective. But the other thing that I wanted to do was um, I wanted to thank them. And holy cow, if you think about the people that have been positive in your life, and you take a minute to write down why they, who they were, why they were positive in your life, and then you take a second to contact them and thank them, uh, there will not be anything more powerful in your life. It was so emotionally draining. I can't even begin to tell you how emotionally draining it was, but in a really super great way. Right. So it's like the happy, the happy tears kind of, but 
you know, I dated a guy my entire junior year of high school. And um, I we were on Facebook and we were in touch and we kind of touched base and stuff. And so I wasn't, I knew what was going on in his life and we touched base, but we'd never like gotten raw, raw about like, why did you dump me in high school and what happened and really how is your life going, you know? And um, when I contacted him and he said, yes, I'll be in the book and that will be great and it will be all wonderful. And, and I said, okay, I'll write the section about you and then I will send it to you. I'll email it to you. And holy cow, Kim, you, I'm telling you, people should do it whether they're writing a book or not. There will be nothing more powerful in your life. We just don't say thank you enough. No, we definitely don't. And I found even with my kids, you know, chores are expected. My older ones have their chores that they're expected to do. And I found that I even don't thank them enough. So whether it's somebody from your past or I even, I lost my job, Jen, in 2008. And I ran into my former boss at the grocery and I thanked her because had she not fired me, then my life wouldn't be like it is today. Craziness and all. So yeah, gratitude is so important. I have so many more questions that I want to ask, but I think that we definitely need to have a part two to this. Okay. But before we get to part two, I know that there's listeners who are wondering where they can find you online and what the name of your podcast is so they can listen to you. Would you mind sharing all that great info? Yeah, it's jentaylor.net and Jen is two N, so it's J-E-N-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R.net. And basically... I mean, I have a Google phone number on there that forwards to my phone and I have uh, a contact forum that should go to my email and I have all my social media there. So I always get worried about the contact forms, honestly, on websites because I don't know if I don't get it. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to test it out for you after we're done chatting. Okay, okay. Um, but basically just go on my website and contact me there on Facebook. I prefer my page over my personal. They're both Jen Taylor, but my page is Jen Taylor hashtag rerouting and hashtag re Jen Taylor rerouting is my, um, I think re it's my Instagram. It's like my, my Twitter. It's, it's even in your email. Yeah. My email. Yeah. So rerouting is uh, basically what happens in life. I, I was with my best friend and I was had my GPS up and it said rerouting. I'm like, that's a story of my freaking life. I'm always rerouting, you know? And I, and I just looked at her and I went, I got it. Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out what should my business name be. And it's Jen Taylor rerouting. Because you know what? Life changes and throws curveballs. And in the last couple of years, my business has morphed and that that's the stuff that just kind of happens because we're living life um it's a good thing if we can roll with it in a positive way and not be overwhelmed with it so yeah rerouting is my life so that's how people can find me awesome i was going to ask you for a closing piece of parting advice but i love the rerouting i don't think we could have any better uh, message than that go with the flow people go just Roll with it. Yes. Roll with it. Jen, thank you so much for being here. This has been a blast. Yeah, thank you. I've loved it. Today's episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast is brought to you by the Positive Productivity Pod, created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success without burnout. The pod offers weekly group coaching sessions, online courses, a private member community, and tons more. To learn more about the pod and to sign up, visit 
positiveproductivitypod.com. See you on the inside. Bye.